Ah, the sounds of summer. Can it get any better? Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Discover the unforgettable sensations of the Lexus Performance lineup. Explore the possibilities of a Lexus at the Golden Opportunity sales event. Now through September 6th. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. This is episode number 175, so we've been this far, which is good. But today is a special day for me because I have a, a special guest here, a good friend, Mark Bornfree, uh, who is well known among uh, a lot of statue collectors, particularly those that have been doing this for a long time, but also within people that love Street Fighter because he's been involved in the Street Fighter scene for quite some time, Evo, many events there. So I know that a lot of people are going to really love this episode. They're going to pay attention because we are going to... And actually, Mark hasn't been around, uh, hasn't been doing stuff for, like I think, over a year. Um, so I'm grateful that he took the opportunity to uh, take this invitation. How you doing, Mark? I'm good. I'm grateful that you reached out, actually. It gave me something interesting to do today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing good. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I didn't think that you would take the invitation uh, because you've been a bit quiet lately. But uh, I'm really grateful, and I'm also thankful that I'm able to, in one way or uh, another, to really help you out to kind of get out of that, you know, slow movement that you've been lately, and you know, to be able to produce content because I think a lot of people always want to hear from you. Uh, but before we get into anything, and I'll let you introduce yourself, I want to also um, share something with the listeners and the viewers because we're in YouTube, but also on the different platforms. Um, I've been following Mark for for a long time. I think since the beginning of his career here on YouTube, um, uh, he started. And I was actually last night going through his channel, watching all some of the older videos that he's been doing for the, almost ten years now. And I remember that he started making videos where he was sharing his collection of Madcast five sticks. And during that time, I was also collect uh, collecting uh, Madcast five sticks for the Street Fighter, primarily uh, all the different ones that they came out for Street Fighter five. Uh, I'm sorry, Street Fighter 4, and it's been that long. But, um, you know, I remember watching those videos, and then he went into, uh, he's in, back in 2012, he did uh, a coverage of San Diego Comic-Con, and he was doing a, primarily a lot of Street Fighter statues, a lot of PCS stuff, uh, pop culture shock then, and also he did an interview with Jerry Macaluso. Actually, one of the first interviews that we uh, saw here on YouTube of one of these producers, um, most of those producers back in the day, they didn't were really as, you know, eager to be in social media uh, as they do now. Uh, so it was he was one of the pioneers of that, and he was doing a lot of statue collector uh, collecting stuff. And he, definitely, he's one of the pioneers of the statue collecting um, uh, videos or reviews here on YouTube. That he was one of the first one like, right next to Alcasel, right next to Pidu, right next to um, the Statue Hunter 75. So, uh, you know, I have great respect for uh, Mark and what he has done, not only there, but what he has done for with the Street Fighter scene, uh, you know, covering Evo, uh, covering a lot of things. So uh, I just want to say that. And I've always been, one thing that I really admire about Mark is the fact that he's always open. Uh, you can see if you follow him in his social media, whether it's um, on Facebook, whether it's on uh, what YouTube, whether it's even on Twitch, uh, he's always been pers he's always personal. He's always shared his heart, and that's something that is so refreshing to see. 
nowadays where there's a lot of content creators, but most of the content creators are trying to create this false image of who they are. He's just, what you see is what you get. And <laughs> I love that. I really love that. I think he's honest about it. He has been honest about his struggles as well. And, and to me, he is a person that I admire because of it. I think because we need honesty and we need to sometimes simply say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. And I feel that we can all relate with that. So I want to I say, Mark, thank you for, for all these years that you've been doing content. Uh, it's amazing. You've been doing amazing stuff. And, and I have loved your content ever since the first video I saw almost 10 years ago. Thanks. Yeah, that's quite an introduction. Um, yeah, it has been a lot. And when you say it to me, um, it makes me feel a little bit better about the way that I've spent my time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I uh, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I don't not really exactly remember why and how I started a YouTube channel. I think I, I kind of just started to feel a little bit of passion reigniting around the game street fighter mm -hmm. um, in fact i was working in advertising at the time and i would go to these events so one in particular i remember i went to south by southwest okay. uh, it was for social media and i went there and in during like the social hours i'd be sitting there talking to people and for whatever reason i'd start talking about street fighter because i was so excited about street fighter 4 at the time mm -hmm. and for those of people that were there at that time and were tuned into street fighter, you know, 2010, let's say that was, that was a year after like the finals in 2009, which were streamed before that. I'm not sure that they were streamed. I think they were just videotapes or, or CDs or DVDs or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just so excited. And they, there was the mad cast stuff and I don't know. And I just, for whatever reason, I'd be sitting around with these advertising guys And I'd start talking about Street Fighter. And they said to me, wow, you're really passionate about this. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time, I think, in my life where I had heard somebody sort of use the word passion. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that had always just, that was a meaningless term to me for so long. But it, a couple of people said it to me and I thought, passion, passion, passion. What the hell does that even mean? Because, uh, you know, up to up until that point in my life, I think I'd just done what was expected of me, you know, Follow, followed the, the you know, gone through university, gone through my career, been in New London, been in New York, doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do to impress my parents and family and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at some point, somebody had just kept saying passion, passion, passion. And then at the same time, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but at the same time, there was a desire from one of my clients for me to be a little bit more passionate about their, their business and their product, mm. you know? Um, and so I was got wrapped up in this idea of passion and I was just like, you know, I'm passionate about street fighter. And it seems so silly to me because, you know, I grew up when video games were not big business, when video games were mm -hmm. just games and people kind of looked at it, you know, thought that it was a waste of time yeah and so like the idea of starting to follow that passion was a bit silly um but i did i just started make quick videos about some of the things that i was collecting you know i had great pride in collecting mm -hmm. you know collecting the mad cat sticks chasing down the ones that were a little bit more rare to find i'm so glad they made some real limited editions yes 
Um, and that's when I got the collecting bug. And then at some point I traded up to statues because I was like, I didn't even know the statues existed. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Um, and then I found them one day and I was like, okay, well, these fight sticks are all out the door and these statues are coming in. Um, and then I guess everything just grew from there. Like the content grew from there. And then I interviewed Jerry Macaluso, yeah. uh, which I don't even remember how that became a thing or an idea. I think it was because I wanted some inside. I genuinely myself wanted the inside track. Like I wanted some inside information on what was coming, some exclusive information. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I sort of thought, well, if I can do this with, statues and with you know people who work in this environment can i do it with players and can i do it with and it's you know everything just sort of it everything just evolved from there really and i think the the thing that people most know me most well for nowadays is is interviews with 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 players and Mm -hmm. personalities around the fighting game community so um yeah that's sort of where it where it was where it went and then uh, last year, I kind of, when COVID hit, mm-hmm. I sort of got a little bit lost. So I think I'm coming out of the other side of that yeah. that sort of dip where I just was like, because I didn't, you know, there's a lot of things that I really felt that the magic in my interviews came from being in a room with someone side by side, the chemistry the, the the just there was something about it that I really thought made the interview special you know traveling mm-hmm. around and that's why I traveled and did it and um and yeah so I sort of liked as COVID came in there was also this idea that Street Fighter 5 was winding down and of course now it didn't you know mm-hmm. COVID changed everything so all of a sudden Street Fighter 6 got pushed back Street Fighter 5 uh, has a little bit of rejuvenation at the moment, which yes. is really exciting. It is. Uh, but in that time period, uh, I just, uh, I've, you know, this last year or so, I've been a bit lost. And I've actually been doing something that you mentioned earlier, which is sold a lot of my statues. And it's really mm-hmm. amazing how, um, you know, us, uh, you know, us who sort of got into the statue game, I don't know what, how you felt about statues, but I always felt like I was only ever going to buy statues that, that, retained or increased in value mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it was always a, a apart from it being a wonderful hobby and i was so excited to see the statues it was also a sort of investment yes yes so you know what's kept me going over the last year or so has just been selling statues mm-hmm. um so yeah i guess that's sort of a, a reasonable summary of what <laughs> what's been going on yes put industry leading difference making and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. And you know what? One thing I can say, and you mentioned it, um, I think one thing that uh, I've always seen in you is that you've always been a pioneer, um, a, one, a person that starts a trend or, you know, you really kind of set the foundation for a lot of things that were not, that now are trendy. Um, you were, again, you were one of the first ones doing 
a lot of Street Fighter stuff. Uh, you were one of the first doing a lot of statues, uh, statue videos, statue reviews, and talking, doing interviews. On the Street Fighter side, you were one of the first, actually, to get the time to interview players, mm. to interview a lot of developers, people involved in the in the production of Street Fighter. So um, it's like you have always pushed that passion into being... Uh, you're creative, for sure, and you always push things, new ideas. And of course, other people come out in the after, after whatever you do, and they kind of, you know, take those ideas and they expand the ideas. But I think that's just one of the greatest things about you and about what you create. Like, for example, I do, I've been doing also here in YouTube for like almost nine, close to 10 years now. Mm. And when I started, I started doing, because I watched many of your, you know, many of the statue reviews, I wanted to do the same thing. So I started doing statues got involved into that initially. Then I started going into the comic stuff, reviewing books. Then, um, you know, it kind of always, it's all, all about experimentation. I always experimented with something. It's like you have this passion inside of you about the things you love and you push those ideas out and you want to just for them to grow. And, you know, then you kind of move to the next thing because another thing that I struggle with is that always changing from one thing to the other. It's like I always experimenting with things because I kind of lose the, the, the fire on one thing, but, I still have fire in me, but I want to try something else because like, I love statues, but you know, like some people sometimes ask me, you talk about statues a lot, but you really don't collect many statues. And I said, well, I love the art. I like to, I like to talk about it, but I don't necessarily like to collect it. You know, mm -hmm. I collect certain things. Like you said, I collect the things that I consider more valuable, not only mm -hmm. financially, but also to me. But uh, my channel, it's always been an experimentation. I experimented with a lot of things. And I think that's something that I can relate a lot with what you do. And I've seen in, in, in your channel over the years, I've seen that, that there's constant change. It's like you're, you're experimenting with things, trying new things. And it's not necessarily what really brings viewers. You're more interested on really having your heart out. It's about giving the best of you what you love. And you talk about what you love, regardless of if it's trendy or not. And I feel that that's good. That's again, like I was saying earlier, I think it's refreshing to see that uh, because you don't get to see many content creators that nor they are looking just to express themselves or their heart in in their in their in their videos. It's more, mostly about what is it that what people want to hear, and that's something that I would say yes, it is perhaps sometimes uncomfortable. Um, it is to me sometimes to open my heart, but at the same time, I feel that there is some sense of healing and being able to open my heart and let some of those demons out some of those things that I've struggled with. I think other people find that important and interesting and necessary. And I think that's one of the reasons why you, you have a lot of followers that really care about you um, because they also see themselves reflected. Yeah. I mean, there's so, oh wow. There's so many things to talk about. I mean, in regards to innovation, yeah, what got me excited, always got me excited was this idea that, okay, there's this gap in the market, let's mm -hmm. call it, right? Yeah. Um, that sounds very businessy, but like I would see something and think, wow, people aren't really doing this the way that I want to do it. And mm -hmm. maybe the way that I want to do it is something that people could appreciate. So that would really light a fire under me, you know? It's hard for me to look at, and I need to get better at this, by the way. It's hard for me to look at something and go, all right, there's a hundred people doing this. I should do it too. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because actually people buy into you. 
That's one of the things I've learned over the years is people buy into you. So there can be a hundred people doing it. There can be a thousand people doing it. There can be a hundred million people doing it. I mean, if you go on TikTok, you see people all doing the same stuff, right? Yeah. But quite often what happens is people buy into certain people. Correct. It's, and, and it's not necessarily um, definable. You know, it's, it's indefinable. Indefinable? Is that a word or is it undefinable? I forget. But Undefinable, it, yeah. It, I think it's you, both, yeah. <laughs> you can see indefinable. It I think it's indefinable. But basically you 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 just find your people. You know, as a content creator, you find your people and mm-hmm. your people find you. Correct. You also find your haters. That happens too. That's true. Uh but I've been sort of lucky over the years, I think, in regards to that, uh, for whatever reason. Um I've I've not had too many maybe it's because of the age group, but I've not had too many people, you know, giving me giving me shit. But you know, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, I think there's an element of, you know, some people don't want to share their heart as you put it. Um, some people do, uh, I tend to have certain videos which are very specifically dedicated to me sort of sharing things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the feedback I've had on that is that people are very feel better to know the you know, they are not alone. Mm-hmm. So it's not, whilst it is therapeutic to do it for yourself, it's sort of a win-win because it's a little bit therapeutic to do it for yourself to just get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a big element where people are watching and going, damn, I'm not the only one. Thank God. Or this guy has it worse. Or this guy has something similar. Or, you know, maybe I can share as well if this guy can share maybe i can share and that's some of the feedback i had for some of the videos that i've done in the past um but the the main thing in terms of like as you say the 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 sort of innovation has always been okay someone some they're not doing this the way that i think i think they should do this so Mm -hmm. let me do put my spin on it you know Mm -hmm. or um you know, the other, the other aspect to it is that I always felt that there are a lot of good content creators out there, but they don't know how to market their content. Mm-hmm. They do nowadays because it's just become a learned thing. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's videos everywhere about how to market your content, right? Yeah. How to be on this platform and that platform and get it out there and, and what have you. But when I started, there wasn't, but I knew it from advertising because mm-hmm. I'd worked in social media and all of those things, I actually saw that we started to work with influencers. And the minute we started to work with influencers, I was looking at influencers and thinking, yo, that doesn't look like such a bad job. That kind of looks mm-hmm. quite cool. Um, and so I was, I was also immediately interested by that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did in the early days when I, when I did the statue reviews or the, um, uh, the joystick, joystick, fight stick reviews mm-hmm. or fight stick collections or what have you. One of the things that I would do is I would, I would put it on as many platforms as I could. So I'd upload it to statue forum, right? Yeah. Uh, something that we both know, you know, <laughs> about um, where there's, where there's an audience for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would upload it to Facebook and then later on Facebook groups. Um, I would uh, upload it to Twitter, or that, but you know, I would also push it out to the media. Because the media in, you know, for statues and the media for 
Street Fighter and the media for fighting games is not big. You know, it's, it's, it's really isn't, you know, you've got, uh, you used to have SRK and, mm-hmm. and, and event hubs and a couple of other smaller sites, you know, and I would push it out to them and I would also tell them why they should, they should write an article on it. Like mm-hmm. I would tell them why they should publish it. Um, I would search through the video. If it's an interview, for instance, I would search through the interview and say, at this point, this person says X, you know, and that's a really bold statement. There's your headline, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for statues, I would, I would say, look, you know, um, you cover a lot of stuff on your website and it's really cool, but you know, you're, you're catering to, I'd always have a, you know, a reason for them to run the article. I'd say, look, you're catering to people who are really, you know, into the, the details of, um, the gameplay, you mm-hmm. know, but maybe, you know, you should think about all the other people who are interested in these games, you know, the cosplayers, the, the people who have passion for the franchise, the stories, the artwork, you know, the whole world of street fighter, because it's huge. Yes. Um, U- Udon is a good example of that, you know, Udon mm-hmm. comics, you know, that's a business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so with collectibles, I would send those, videos off to to places like event hubs and srk and say this is a cool video that i put together and you should run it because there's a whole bunch of people who are interested in this stuff and as it turned out there was a whole bunch of people who were interested in this stuff even if they didn't collect statues a lot of the comments in the statues articles would be like yo i didn't even know this existed existed, yeah yeah and it would be like and then ultimately the conversation would always end up being like how much is this and it would be like and then people would just freak out because they (laughs) They, you yeah. know, because they thought they thought like maybe the statue would be like twenty five dollars or something. Sixty dollars you know? the most, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, and but the flip side of trying to be innovative, yeah, is that every now and then you'll find yourself sort of stuck because you're like, well, mm-hmm. is the stuff that I'm doing innovative anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, is every, are there a hundred other people now doing this? Yeah. Is, is, is what I'm doing making a difference? And if it's not, if it's not, is there any point to it? Correct. And that's the bit that I struggle with. I see. You know, I, I can feel um, the same, like for example, um, you know, one big part of when I started, I was doing statues. Then I started doing uh, uh, comic book reviews and actually was one of the first, doing comic book reviews um, of omnibuses and YouTube before it was like a trendy thing. Now it's a trendy thing. Everyone wants to do the same thing. So I did it for quite a few years, and actually that made my channel grow. Uh, A lot of people came just because of the comics. They didn't know anything about the statues. They didn't care about the statues. They care about the comics. But then, of course, you get a lot of people doing the same thing you're doing. And some of them are doing it better in some ways. And sometimes they they probably started having some partnership with Marvel, with DC. So they get in a lot of free freebies so they can review. And you're like, okay, I started this trend on my own. Now someone is taking that idea, expanding it, making it better. Now I feel like I'm left out. And some of the people that come to my channel say, oh, I like your content. You're doing the same thing as this guy. And it's like, no, this guy did the same thing I did. But um. And, you know, I stopped doing the book reviews for a while. And I know once in a while I get people, particularly those older uh, viewers, the people that have been following the beginnings, like, I still remember your videos of this. I I love that. I love your original statue reviews. And 
part of me wants to go back to do the same thing. But to me, like you were saying, it's so true. It's like, I feel like, do I really want to go back to do the same thing I did before when there are other people doing it perhaps better than I? Uh, I feel like I've been forgotten in many ways. And, you know, I'm just trying to, and, you know, like you said, you're trying to be innovative, but at the same time, sometimes you, you find yourself in those dead ends because you're trying to kind of reinvent the wheel in so many ways. You, you're changing things. You're making adjustments. You're making new trends, and other people are taking those trends and are running with those ideas. So it's just, I don't know. It's, that's the thing, another thing that I always find. Um, I just find myself so in tune with what you're saying because I do feel the same way. I feel like, you know, it's good to be innovative, but I'm also perfectionist. I'm the type of person that... I have to look at what I do and sometimes I have to I even watch the same video like, I don't know, a hundred times because I still looking for the mistakes. I'm looking for the things that need improvement. And I think, and being so a uh, perfectionist has also limit, has limited myself to, to really uh, just be just free. Like, like you said, like your name is born free just to be free. Not worry about what other people are thinking. And I think that's another thing. Now, let me ask you this. Um, because you know, we, you, I know you're a big fan of Street Fighter. You've been a big fan of Street Fighter and supporter of Street Fighter for many years now. How did it start? It how you fell in love with Street Fighter? Uh, what, what experience do you have from childhood? You know, playing in the arcades or playing on on console? How was it? How did you end up being a big Street Fighter fan? So I went on holiday or vacation, as the Americans say, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, and um, there was an. It was a. In the UK, um, I mean, it happens here as well, I suppose, but there are sort of like vacation locations, I suppose, like a a holiday, they call them holiday camps in the UK. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they still have them, but basically it's like you can go somewhere in the UK and there's an area that that it's good for families because there's Mm -hmm. an area that you can live in in a chalet or, you know, a small rented apartment and everybody else is doing the same thing. And then on the grounds, there's like all sorts of entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know? And part of that entertainment, usually back in those days was an arcade. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time that I saw Street Fighter. So I guess this was probably 91, 92, uh, probably 92 in the UK. But like, I remember seeing Street Fighter and Final Fight at the same time, even Mm -hmm. though Final Fight had been out before yes um i saw street fight and final fight and i was absolutely mesmerized by the graphics and the artwork because it was just i mean final fight came out originally in 89 i think i think it was in um, 1989 somewhere between 1989 right. and 1990 but it was graphics different are, the graphics yeah. are extraordinary for for an 80s game that's ridiculous mm-hmm. um but i remember seeing those two games and thinking whoa these are these these look amazing and you know, it's just so fun to play and the characters were just so, you know, everyone talks about Street Fighter, but the but back in those days, like the, there was nothing like it and the characters were so different. And I actually got a, I want to say, a uh, an actual dopamine hit, like a high mm-hmm. from doing Dragon Punches. Mm-hmm. And and I had that, I, I've, I've had that for years. I think I still have it, but to a much lower degree, but I always had this 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 high when I saw a dragon punch. It was such a special move because mm-hmm. it was so weird as well. Like the idea of people fighting and doing this weird thing where they fly into the <laughs> yes. air like this, right? And I always thought it was odd, but like just, you know, I just fell in love with that game. And then when it 
came to console, I actually imported, because in Europe, everything came later. Yes. Uh, I don't know whether you were in Mexico or whether you were in America. Okay. I don't know if things were later in Mexico or not, but basically it used to be that video games got released in Japan, Mm -hmm. America. We'd be second. And and then everywhere else in the world was sort of like maybe a couple of months later. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's, you know, everything at once. But back in those days, I didn't want to wait months and months. So Mm -hmm. I had actually bought a uh, American Super Nintendo uh, I had imported the game. I think the game cost me close to a hundred dollars or a hundred pounds, even back in those days. And I got the game early and I just played the hell out of it at home. Now I, I didn't know anything about a fighting game community. I thought that was, you know, for years after that, I would never have guessed that people took the game so seriously. Um, but for whatever reason, that game just became this sort of, franchise that meant a lot to me and even when i wasn't focused on it it would reappear in my life yeah it just wouldn't go away so when i went to university in london interestingly enough one of the most hardcore fighting game arcades was right by my student union Mm -hmm. and then uh, when i you know, moved on from university and went to a job. That job was, funnily enough, even closer to that arcade because <laughs> uh, it was all in the same little area. Uh-huh. And, you know, during my breaks, times, I would never go with friends because none of my friends really cared. Care much about it, yeah. No, and I just, I just would go to this arcade. And there was various versions of Street Fighter. You know, at that point, it was like there was Alpha, one, two, three, you know, but maybe even third strike at some point, you know, I'm sure. Um, and I didn't know really anything about how to play those games on a sort of competitive level. I sometimes would sit down and watch people play the CPU and just be really good. Um, but I just played them for fun. And some of the Marvel games came out street fighter Mm -hmm. versus, I think it might be street fighter versus Marvel or something like that. Yes. And, and so this game was always around and it was just something that I enjoyed doing for fun. And then I think, you know, years and years later when I was in America and I was in advertising, then all of a sudden Street Fighter 4 came out. Mm-hmm. And that was just such a special moment. But again, it was just like this game, for whatever reason, would reappear in my life. Um, it wasn't like I was actively searching for it, you know? And that that seems to have been a theme throughout my life is like I'm not actively searching Street Fighter for Street Fighter. And quite often I'll go through periods of my life where I'm like, all right, well, I've had enough of this. I don't, you know, like I'm going to go get on with my life and do other things. And all of a sudden it will just reappear in some form or fashion. And um, and I'll just it will just reignite some passion in me. And I have never quite known why, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe I like that one-to-one competition. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just love the style of it. I love the characters or something's deeply ingrained with me about it. Um, but it just won't go away. That's the only way I can describe it is like it's a lot of the time it's like I'm not actively pursuing it. It just reappears. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, the most recent examples I think have been I'll be watching the most random anime you can think of, which, you know, 
I, I was watching, I, mean, I was watching, forgotten the name of it now, but I was watching some cutesy anime, which I wouldn't normally tell anyone that I'm watching, but sort of like a guilty pleasure, you know, mm-hmm. just like a nice, you know, anime that makes you feel good. And um, not necessarily something that boys, boys or men talk about. Normally it's like, oh, you know, I was watching Naruto or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's just some cutesy, cutesy anime, which I, I just, you know, whatever. I've got a soft, had a soft spot for it. And then there was a whole episode about Street Fighter. <laughs> and I was like, come on, like what? You're trying how, to move on. You know, like I get that, it, you know, I eventually found out how that, episode kind of came into being uh-huh. um but i was like yo this this game just won't leave me alone <laughs> you know and so um i don't know nowadays i'm very excited by the recent the most recent updates that i don't know if you've seen them but yes doing, i've been doing, playing them yeah so have you seen but have you seen the updates from capcom there was one yesterday. Uh, yes, uh, the spring update. Yeah, the spring update. Um, actually, I got the invite to do the the co live stream or whatever with them, but I didn't do it because I didn't have time for it. But uh, on my gaming channel, because I also have a gaming channel. But um, yeah, it looks exciting. Some of the the new characters are coming, and I think it's been a turnaround for Street Fighter um, Five. You know, the way it started to what it is now. It's just an amazing turnaround, uh, and of course, it has to do with the, the the fans. You know, they've been supportive of this since the beginning. Um, yeah, it looks amazing. And to be honest with you, I don't even think I don't even care much about Street Fighter Six because I think they still have a lot of potential on what they're doing right now. As long as they could bring it, I know this is going to be the last update that we're going to get supposedly, the last characters. Uh, I don't know. It just looks fun. Uh, I, the only thing is, like, now that I, when I get back and play a little bit, it's it's hard because some of the people that are playing right now, even online matches, it's just amazing what people can pull off. You know, I'm coming from, like, you, like in your case, for example, like when you mentioned uh, I started doing Street Fighter, uh, I was in the arcades. I love the arcades in the 80s. One thing about good about Mexico, because we're right next to the United States, um, everything that comes comes to North America. So Mexico, United States, and Canada all get the same thing. Uh, so the arcades were like big and I think the arcade scene was even bigger than the United States and Mexico because, um, I would say that most kids and most people couldn't afford to have, uh, you know, home consoles. So, so that's what happened that, you know, the arcades were really huge and, you know, people have, you know, I, you know, I had some home consoles, but the arcades were the big thing and all kids were there. And I still remember, I still remember the date. And the time where Street Fighter 2 was brought to the arcade, my wow. favorite arcade, it was like a, a, it was something totally different. Like you said, you know, there were other things like Final Fight and there were other games out there like Street Fight and uh, Turner's Mission Ninja Turtles. You got the, a lot of the stuff that were beat em ups and you, you love the beat em ups. They were cool. But there was something about Street Fighter 2 and I, I, I saw Street Fighter 1, but I didn't care much about it because it wasn't that good. But Street Fighter 2 was different. There was something about it. It was so, it, it was agile. It was like, you feel like you, you, you were this character there. And like you said, I don't know why, but the one versus one. And there were so many kids around it. And then you had to take your turn. And I just love to, you know, just to watch other people play. And even when I got beaten, I didn't care much about it. 
because I was learning something. You know, I, I you, you saw those the guys that they were like over there all the time, and they were like the professional gamers, the guys that you wanted to see pulling off all those moves. But there were other kids that they were just there, just like you know, they were you know coin eaters. They just there just to kind of <laughs> to give money to the to the the machines. But you were learning. And I don't know, it was something, and there were many games after version of God, Mortal Kombat and all of that, but there was something about Street Fighter, and I was really into SNK stuff also. Um, that was big Fighters. in Mexico, right? Yeah, it was SNK. big. Yeah. SNK, yeah. Um, you know, with, um, you know, you got the Fatal Fury. Oh, the SNK was big in Mexico. Uh, mm. I think as big as, as Street Fighter, mm. but there was something about Street Fighter that has always been considered the most legendary um, game. I would say follow my Mortal Kombat. Um and over the years, I kind of went into, I was always in the arcades. My mother was always angry because I was always in the arcades. I spent a lot of my time in the arcades. Even when I was booted out of different schools for bad behavior, I've always, you know, ended up in the arcades. <laughs> so, um, you know, things change. I've came to the United States. Um, and, of course, you know, you kind of grew up and you move on. You, 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 you know, you, you follow your life. You go to school, do all those things. And, um. I was I forgot about the arcade scene. I forgot about it, but I think it was until Street Fighter Four came out. Then, and that's the reason I was kind of watching your videos too. Originally, it was like to me, it was like it brought so many good memories of my childhood and my teenage years in the arcades. So I started playing. Actually, that's how I started just getting into. I even got myself a PlayStation Three just to play before the game came out because I wanted to play the game. Because I was loving just the, you know, the all the information we had, all the videos and the trailers. And I don't know, it was something that I, I just fell in love with it. And it's like you said, it's something about Street Fighter that it's hard to pinpoint what is it that makes it so unique. Uh, it's something about that, just the ability to, you know, play against other people and also the community. Because it, it really rallies so many people uh, from all over the world. And it's like you feel part of this. I don't know, underdog community because everybody has a story to share, but um, it's just, it's, just, it's I don't know, it's just something about it. And I don't even know why, but it's like, I always get excited when I, I, I see Street Fighter doing well. Anything that has to do with the franchise, it's just something I love. Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. It's interesting because the, the Street Fighter 4 was definitely designed to play on the nostalgia. Oh, yeah. So, so Street Fighter 4, when it first came out, was literally, I remember it being marketed as it's Street Fighter. It's basically Street Fighter 2. It is. So I, I, remember, I remember it being marketed as you can go on, play the game, find your favorite character because they had all the Street Fighter 2 characters and all of their moves are the same inputs and so it was just when you initially played, and that's what I loved about it was it had, there's a lot of conversations nowadays about, you know, whether or not they, they, they should be making the game easier or more mm. accessible. Street Fighter 4 had levels to it. Yeah. And that's what I thought was interesting is that you don't necessarily have to make a game easy or difficult. What you can have is levels. So Street Fighter 4 had that initial level where you went in and you just played it like Street Fighter 2. And everyone else was playing it like Street Fighter 2. And then eventually you discover focus attacks, right? And you're like, because mm -hmm. you don't, you had no clue what those were when you first play it. You just yeah. play it. 
And then you're like, okay, there's these focus attacks and, and you gradually learn how to use them and what they're used for, et cetera, et cetera, and supers and ultras and all that sort of stuff. But um, I loved that, that it was nostalgic, that it had that initial level of, I can just play it the way that I played Street Fighter 2. I can do a Dragon Punch. I can do a Fireball. I can do this. I can do that. And um, that's where I think, you know, there were a lot of problems with Street Fighter 5's launch. Yeah. Particularly attention to detail. It just felt like they were going through the motions. It felt like there wasn't any love mm-hmm. put into the game. Perhaps they had run out of time. That's one of the things that I have heard. Yeah. Is that they actually went through about three different iterations of it and then finally just pushed something out. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of ran out of time. There were a lot of issues for me in regards to actually how the game itself as a whole felt. You know, the user experience, the loading screens, the yeah. the, the the fact that you, you know, didn't have a, um, you had battle, I think they're called battle, I forget what they're called, battle settings or whatever, mm-hmm. where you have to go in and choose your character separately before you go online. Mm-hmm. So you can't actually choose a character choose on while you're, Yeah, yeah there's, there's like a million of those issues, right? Which not many of those outside of the game itself I feel have been fixed. And then of course, like net code is an issue and stuff mm-hmm. like that. These are all things that have been problematic with street fighter five. And one of the things that they still haven't addressed on street fighter five is the net code. Yeah. And I don't know if they will, they maybe they'll test it before they roll out street fight six, which would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that nostalgia aspect was a big, big selling point for street oh, wow. fighter four. And they didn't have that in street fighter five because they'd done it. Right. Mm-hmm. And as they go into Street Fighter Six, it's going to be interesting to think, you know, what exactly is the hook going to be and who are you marketing for? Correct. Because I think, and I don't have the data on it, but you watch tournaments and you, you look at generally who's creating content and stuff like that. And it's not like there's a bunch of youngsters. It doesn't feel like there's a bunch of like young kids all rallying around Street Fighter and being excited by it and making content. Correct. You know, um, not like other games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that for me has been a concern and probably is for Capcom is this idea that the, you know, the, the community or the people who are interested in Street Fighter are aging out, mm-hmm. you know, or, and potentially that group is getting smaller. It's not that there are no young people getting into it, but it's not, the same as when street fighter came out in the arcades and literally the world was lit on fire, Yeah, you know, and everybody was playing it. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they market street fighter six, you know, mm-hmm. um, who they're focused on and, and how they do it. And I think, you know, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see what happens. A lot of these video game companies like mortal Kombat and Tekken, mm-hmm. You know, one of the big things they've been doing is is bringing in guest characters. Yeah, because because that's a really easy way to to bring in a whole new group of people who are interested in a character. Correct. You know, um, so so I'm 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 excited by the updates because I feel like they are approaching it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like the updates are fun. The updates are f- they think about it before they do it. Uh, they, you know, even yesterday I saw like in the spring update, they had, um, a little 
Dan video yes. music because they had a music remix, mm-hmm. you know, and what, and it was, it's rare that they would celebrate a music remix during an update. They might tell you, you, you can get mm. this music, you can get this remix, right? But they actually played it, but they didn't just play it. They made a little, you know, uh, stop animation video. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's such a nice thing to do. That's such a nice little detail. And that's what has been missing from the very beginning of Street Fighter Five was mm-hmm. attention to detail, that sense of love and passion that's coming from people behind the scenes who are working on it. And, you know, w- without actually working there, you can only speculate mm-hmm. uh, potentially that maybe the work environment wasn't set up to allow for that. Right. Um, maybe, maybe they weren't putting enough money into it. Maybe they weren't putting enough emphasis on it. Maybe they weren't, didn't have the right, the, all of the right people on it. Maybe they had some gatekeepers, people who potentially were stopping some of the more, creative and interesting people from being able to to pour their hearts and souls into it and 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 be proud and show what they can do i don't know a lot of issues there but the the most recent updates wow gotta say very excited about the future mm-hmm. and for them to be to show this kind of passion for street fighter 5 is very interesting to me because because they know that they're winding down. Mm-hmm. And so if they're showing this interest and passion for Street Fighter Five, my God, I hope and Do pray the that they're showing 10 times this kind of love and passion for Street Fighter Six. Yeah. You know, which I think they will. Anything new is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope they've learned from the mistakes of the launch of Street Fighter Five and then the launch of Marvel versus Capcom, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it Marvel versus Capcom? Well, Marvel, you know, Marvel four i suppose what was it called i've forgotten now that's how that's how forgettable that whole launch was but that that launch i actually at the time had said yo capcom will learn from their mistakes in street fighter 5 and this marvel game is going to be tremendous Mm -hmm. and i was so wrong Mm -hmm. Uh, because i didn't know i didn't know what was going on behind the scenes i didn't know just didn't know what was going on behind the scenes and still you know don't but clearly not great things. And, and I think that they've made those changes now. Hopefully um, we're starting to see some of that sort of fruit, you mm. know, of, of that labor, that love, that passion. And I've really enjoyed the updates. You know, it, it's, it's been, there've been updates where it, it's, it's like tangible stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not just, uh, you know, an update that, kind of is unplanned and and is a little bit more focused on i don't know oh no you know like being mm-hmm. a superstar or whatever it's a little bit more focused on you know even the guys doing the update are much more focused on like i want to show you this i want to show you that and um yeah just i'm excited by that i gotta say i think that what you're saying is it's so correct you're right on that um and i think you're you see it also from your um, professional experience as a, a person that has been in advertisement. Um, I think advertisement is a big part of the way a game is received from the get-go and how the game develops and evolves over time. Uh, and I think, like you were saying, like I think Street Fighter V was a it was a wreck from the beginning. Not because not only because it was not complete, 
but also because it wasn't properly advertised or, or it wasn't advertised or uh, the message wasn't as clear for the people that actually want to invest their time into this game. And when you go through the history of gaming, you're going to notice that there are a lot of games out there. The biggest games in the history of gaming, um, all they have a one thing in common, which is the advertisement. The hype prior to the game to be released was big. Mm-hmm. And you see that, for example, I see that with Battlefield, for example, Battlefield 3. Before it came out, it was a huge uh, success because they were have they had some of the most amazing trailers. They were talking about it. They were interviewing people. They were showcasing the work prior to the release. So when the game came out and it was a phenomenal game, uh, everything was already hyped to that point. Also, like, you know, and I know you've been playing, um, you were playing Warzone, for example, with Call of Duty. This last Call of Duty, What's a juggernaut? Uh, in this case, uh, Call of Duty Warzone. No, no Warzone, but um, what is that? Uh, Black Ops, uh, the last Black Ops. There's no Black Ops. No, uh, you know, uh, the other one, I forget. Black Ops is the newest one. And it hasn't done well, but before Warzone came to be, um, uh, Modern Warfare, I'm sorry. Hey, Modern Warfare, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally confused with both. But Modern Warfare, it was it was just the, the hype prior to the game coming out. And mm. the, the hype over Warzone, all of that has really... It gathered a lot of people the interest, and I feel that Street Fighter has missed that. They did that with Street Fighter Four because Street Fighter Four, uh, before it came out, as you know, the the hype was real. People were interested. Like you said, it was uh, the advertisements was crucial. It was about bringing the the people that were invested into the original game, but also reaching out to the young generation, the people that really fall in fell in love with the game. So I think it's important to do that. And like you said, I feel that they have missed the mark in, in like what they did with Marvel versus Captain, the most recent one. They have done that with Street Fighter V. So like you said, hopefully they learn from that mistake because it's so important. I think, like you said, right now there's so many games. When you go to Twitch, most people are streaming uh, other things except Street Fighter. You're going to see people doing, uh, you know, of course, Warzone, doing um, all the first-person shooters, you know, because that's the hype. That's what people want. They want to be there. So they want to go there. And I think that's the thing where um, maybe it's the, also the challenge for Capcom to really reach out to a young generation because they also need that. You know, they need that energy that young people bring. I still remember like when Street Fighter 4 came out, and I can share that. Um, when it came out, my local GameStop, I was living in this small town uh, where I was working. And I, I used to go there and I bought my, my PS3 and all that there. They... They, right away, they had a tournament. As soon as the game was released, the same week, they, they started a tournament uh, and that kind of led to Evo and all of that. And it was just games that was involved in the whole process with it. So I went the first week, even before playing my game at home, and I took my daughter. She was probably five or six years old with me because nobody would, would take care of her. And now she's grown up and she's married and all that. So I took my daughter. And we, I went to play, um, and I actually got, got first place on my local, you know, tournament. But it's oh, be- wow. yeah, I did. But because, and actually, I went to the regional uh, part, and I won that one as well. I couldn't go to all the way to Evo because my wife got sick, so I got to stay home. But I won, and I didn't know much about that. Like you were saying earlier about the the new moves and all of that. But I was just playing the same way I played when I was in the arcades. So it, well, that was the part where you feel like as soon as you grab the controller, and I was not even playing with a PS3 controller. I was playing with an Xbox 360 controller, which is not the best option for it. There was no joysticks or anything. And I was just pulling the moves that I remember as a kid. 
And I was playing with these young kids that they playing Street Fighter for the first time. Ah, okay. And some older, you know, guys that also knew how to play Street Fighter, and some of them were the toughest guys. But the vast majority of the people there were a lot of younger people, you know, young kids that never experienced Street Fighter before. They per- perhaps they were playing Tekken or anything like that. So to them, it was news. Yeah, but um, that was the big thing because um, I think with not only it was a good way to bring the the you know the nostalgia factor and bring the people back into the game, but also uh, you know riled up the new the younger people to play the game. I think that's the reason why Street Fighter was so successful because there was a lot of advertisement, the game felt felt nostalgic, but also introduced a lot of new things. So people you know it was an, an updated version of the old version of the the classic game. So I felt that that was good. Now, when I went to when Street Fighter Five came out, um, it just felt like, in many ways, it felt like it lost its soul. I didn't, I don't know. I played it, you know. Then, of course, I've been playing lately the updates and all of that, and I feel that it's better now. But I still feel that there is something missing about the game um, that is the soul and the spirit of the Street Fighter. And of course, they they had made it in many ways easier for newcomers to come, which I think is also another challenge of Street Fighter. Because as I remember, well, back in the arcade days, nobody told you about the moves. There was no way you can find out how to do it. You have to learn the hard way, which means that you have to play. And I feel that that's something that it's kind of missing, not only on a Street Fighter. I feel that all across the board, all the fighting games right now, a lot of the fighting games, they're making it so simpler, so easier for everyone to play that I, I don't think there is that sense of uh, challenge. So you can mm-hmm. play with it for a little bit and then you get bored and then you move on to the next thing. So you end up going to... I don't know, to play Call of Duty because you feel that there's more challenge there or any of those first-person shooters because you, you feel that like you're challenged there compared to what you do with uh, fighting games now. Yeah, uh, I mean, this was all talked about uh, ad nauseum. I remember I did yeah. videos on it. Uh, <laughs> I remember Gerald did videos on it um, for some very successful videos that got millions and millions of views. Yeah. Um, that's Core A Gaming, Gerald. Mm-hmm. runs core mm-hmm. gaming he yeah. did a video he did a video which featured a lot of my interviews with pro players who had a similar issues in regards to the difficult you know it being a little bit maybe too easy compared to street fighter 4 um but you know there was a lot more going on mm-hmm. that made it feel soulless um as you put it you know first of all you you behind you you've got what are those comic books uh, yes, books of all, okay. mostly comic right. books. So, yeah. so comic books, right? So like this idea of the, a story, a world, you know, yeah. uh, so, so, something that, that, that is bigger than just the game. Now, Street Fighter Five, when it first came out, was pretty much bare bones ready for Capcom Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, it, it had a few things missing. Um, I, I, I think it, it didn't have a... Uh, a button for rematch. Yeah. I remember that it didn't have a rematch button. So there was a, a time period where you'd have to go back out into the menu and all that sort of stuff. Um, the actual, you know, loading screens and there were various clunky elements to it, which before you even got into the game, you felt like whoever made this game doesn't care, you know, mm-hmm. because like you can feel that. Like if you, you know, when you, the reason that the PlayStation five, one of their big selling points for PlayStation 5 was loading screens are going to be faster, mm-hmm. right? Like, why is that a big selling point? Well, because it's important to people. It is. People, people want to feel that you are thinking about 
their time. People want to feel that you are thinking about um, how they use the, the, you know, how they, uh, their user experience, you know? So they, yes, they want fast loading screens. Yes. They want everything to be intuitive and easier and believe it or not, that's a big part of it before you even get into the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to lose two minutes between every single match and then that add up to an hour of gameplay and an hour of loading screens, yeah. you know, um, I don't want the net code to be appalling so that I get frustrated, you know? Um, and so there was a, there, there was a lot of elements, you know, there was no story mode or one player mode. There was none of that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hardcore FGC will always probably say, well, I didn't need any of that. I don't care. Like I got what I needed. Um, but there's a, there's a, you know, there's a massive opportunity to bring people in via storytelling and interesting characters and backstories and this and that and the other. Maximilian has talked about this as mm-hmm. well. You know, you know, he talked about a game, I think it was Mortal Kombat versus DC. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he held up the game. I remember this video so well. Uh-huh. And he said, the reason this game sold is because there's a picture of Scorpion and there's a picture of Batman. I mean, I may have got those characters wrong, but he was just like, there's a picture of Scorpion, there's a picture of Batman, and that's the reason this game sold, Sailed, yeah. right? It was just like, yeah, I can play Scorpion, I can play Batman, and boom, that's it, right? And so there was this sort of basic understanding of how people are attracted to yeah. entertainment and video games that was missing from Street Fighter Five, And, you know, the marketing tended to be all based around this idea that the game will be more accessible, it will be easier. People don't give a shit about that. And, you know, there's a lot of great content creators in the FGC who are well-established, who have been talking about this for years and are still talking about it to this very day. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the American guys who are in Japan, Anime, anime Illuminati, I think is the channel. Uh-huh. Uh, those, those guys are talking about it. Sejam talks about it. These guys are doing such a good job, you know, Maximilian. And then they all sort of come together and talked about rollback netcode. And guess what? The one good thing about the pandemic is it's sort of sh- at least showing these developers that if they don't have rollback netcode, they're dead in the water, mm-hmm. you know? And if 356 doesn't have rollback netcode, that's going to be dead in the water mm-hmm. because people are going to want to play games which don't frustrate them. Um, that's the last thing you want. You want you want to be able to play a game. And if you want to actually take it seriously and get better at it, if the net code isn't working, that's just it's just going to be unplayable, you know? Mm-hmm. But I am hoping and praying that there's going to be rollback net code for Street Fighter Six. Maybe they'll test it on Street Fighter Five. I don't know. And, you know, and that the future is bright, you know, because these games, they only come along every five, six, seven years, Street Fighter at least, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm only getting older. And, you know, I would love to have a new Street Fighter where I'm just like fired up about it, you know, (laughs) where I'm just like, yeah. And Street Fighter Five was, it was tough, you know, like I was excited about some of the things around it. I was excited about the the players you know, the interviews, I was genuinely passionate about that stuff. I was excited about guessing. I had a, a whole a bunch of videos about trying to guess which characters were going to be revealed. 
Um, that was fun. You know, that, that was a fun aspect of the marketing for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, just street fighter in general, I'm excited about, but, but, you know, a lot of the content ended up being criticism, I suppose, sort of like a, uh, criticism, but, you know, well, well meant criticism sort of like, this is sort of like, this game could be so much more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if only you made these sort of changes and over time, Street Fighter V has definitely become a game at its core that there's a whole generation that absolutely adore it, you know? And, um, I, you know, I, I haven't played it. I haven't played anything for a while, but when I did play it, I enjoyed it. You know, yeah. but I'm a casual player. So I, you know, I just sort of enjoyed it for what it was and enjoyed my, my wins and enjoy it. And, and my losses were my losses. And that was that. But, um, but one of the big signs, I just want to pick up on something you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the big signs that the community doesn't really feel like it's growing is that even when you play at the lowest rank of Street Fighter V, it feels like you're playing someone who's been playing for five years, you know, like it feels like you, like you feel like every single match is, is some, you know, what they call a sweaty, you know, a sweat, you know, a sweaty, you know, somebody who is a real try hard, Uh you know, it doesn't feel like when you go into street fighter five and play against somebody else that that other person is also new, you know, it feels like you're you're fighting a professional. At every level, like professional at their level. That you're you like know, an Evo or something. <laughs> a professional bronze player who has his own little tricks, a professional, you know, silver player, gold player, whatever, right? It feels like those guys have just been playing for years and maybe they just have never really gone through to silver or, or to gold or, or, or platinum or whatever, right? Um, but it feels like they've been playing for a very long time. It doesn't feel like you go on there and you go, wow, there's me and all these other new players, mm-hmm. you know? that that's not how it feels and and it probably shouldn't at this point in the life cycle but there's been a lot of times where they've sort of had a major update or they've re-released the game under a slightly different name and you still feel like there hasn't been a massive influx of new players and i think that is going to be really interesting is how are they going to bring in new players you know are they going to steal from other franchises they're going to do like the bring in the, um, the uh, guest characters. Mm-hmm. Are they going to continue with this idea that it's more accessible? I don't think that, personally, I don't think the way they've approached accessibility is right. And I hope that they've got the message because a lot of people feel that that's not right. Um, certainly you can teach people how to play the game. That's great. Love that. Giving them the tools to teach them. Yeah, tutorials but, and all of that. Yeah. Challenges. But dumbing down is not necessarily what people want to see mm-hmm. because when they eventually watch the professionals play, there's nothing in there that feels a lot of the time it's hard to see what's special in the way that you watch Street Fighter 4 or even Street Fighter 3, Daigo's moment, you know, uh, moment 37. You knew something incredibly special was happening there. Correct. Um, For example, I think... Um... I don't know, something about Capcom that they've been kind of fumbling with these ideas for quite some time. I think everything started when, after the success of uh, Street Fighter 4, and they went into Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Cross Tekken had, it was a great uh, concept, you know, this crossover event. But when they started introducing, like, the gem system, which was 
a horrible way to make money, you know, a really greedy way to make money, and also, uh, get, you know, gave advantage to to players, um, you know, to feel like they can compete with the the pros, and I, I think that's been the problem with Street Fighter, and they continue on with the same uh, with, um, you know, with the Marvel versus Captain the Infinite, whatever uh, the last version. I just feel that that's the problem. Like you said, there's no there's no feeling of that you are improving yourself, that you are fighting to get better, that you're getting better as you process, as you make mistakes, as you have go through the errors or of the losses. It feels like it's so easy to grab the game, and it's hard to be around something that is like that. Like for example, like Call of Duty, it's a game that a lot of people love because it's so it makes you angry. Call of Duty is a type of game that can make you angry. So angry that you will stick around for hours on end because you want to get better. Because you want to be like, you know, I want to beat these guys. I want to be able not to, you know, to die all the time. I want to be better at controlling this. I want to understand my weapons better, all of that. And I feel that that's the reason why people kind of gravitate around it so much because it is infuriating. But at the same time, it kind of keeps you on your toes. You want to be the best. And I feel with Street Fighter, you you like it. Like you said, I, the things that I have enjoyed about the Street Fighter Five is just the the characters, the design. I love mm-hmm. that. But it gets to the point that it gets kind of has no soul. It's boring. You feel like okay, there's no challenge here, so I move on with something else in my life. The challenge element is something that a portion of players are interested in. I think that there's a big group of players who only want to play Street Fighter for a month, Mm -hmm. right? There's video, just general video game players, right? Yeah. So they want to play stuff for like a month and have some fun and then move on to the next game, right? And I think that's where the the big sales happen, right? Is when you can get people excited about a game. And I I think a lot of that doesn't really have to do with... um, you know, the hardcore group of people who are going to stick with it for years and years. There is also an element, and all of these elements should come together, but there is also an element of, I'm just excited to play as these characters. Uh, I'm excited by this world. I'm excited by this franchise. You know, there's a magic to it. There's something special about it. And this version of Ryu or this version of Chun-Li you know, yeah, I want to just get in and play it. I haven't played this for a while. And it's sort of, I think Street Fighter 4 sort of brought a bit of that magic and, and that was a little bit missing in the marketing of Street Fighter 5. It got a little bit more functional. And I think it needs to be a little bit more magical. You know, like I said, like I'm looking at comic books behind you and comic mm-hmm. books, are, you know, that's about backstories. That's about characters. That's about the world that you're creating. And you know, a lot of people would disagree with me who are hardcore FGC, but I think if you want to bring people outside of the fighting game community or maybe people who play other games into Street Fighter, you have to make that world exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have all the answers and I'm sure they're working on it. I hope they are. Uh, but I don't think that just telling people this game's going to be easier than the last one is, is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that they sort of flush things out and make it more exciting in the same way that they've made their updates more exciting in the same way that in the spring update, they said, here's a remix of Dan's theme song. And we made a little stop video, which is kind of fun. 
uh-huh. you know? And when you watch things like that, you just think, oh, it's kind of cool. I like that's cute, that detail and all that. And it's like, I can buy into this. I can buy into this world. I, can, I think the developers care about this game. I, and if they care about it, I think I care about it, you know? Like, so it's, but it is going to be interesting to see how they bring new pe- play, new players in, in, you know? Because they can't rely on nostalgia all the time. So, yeah. Do you think crossovers is a, is a good way to to bring people in, like do more crossovers or more guest appearances from other games? I mean, it's a controversial subject because people my age who play Street Fighter will absolutely hate the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I'll, I'll tell you this, one of the comments that I saw appear on one of my videos about the, the new characters in Street Fighter V was a big insight for me. Um, and that was, there were some younger people, they appeared to be younger based on their comments saying that I'm so happy there's a new character here, you know, because as, as characters were being introduced to street fighter five, as, as the years went by, you know, a lot of the hardcore community wanted to see, well, I want my character back in this game. My character was Oro. My character was Rose. Mm-hmm. Just picking on some of the new characters that come in. My character was Dan, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my character was Rufus. I want my character to come back into Street Fighter, Street Fighter and be in Street Fighter Five. Mm-hmm. So there's, this, there's, there's a large group of people who are already playing Street Fighter who want their characters to come back into the game. Now, I had comments about some of the new characters from people who didn't have that connection with street Mm. fighter basically saying, Oh my God, I'm so happy. There's a new character because I can make this character my own. Mm -hmm. Like this feels like, this feels like I am welcome to play because there isn't all of these experts who've been playing Ryu for Mm -hmm. 30 years, years, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can come in and I can play as Manat, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I can play as G, mm-hmm. right? I can play as these characters and nobody else has played them before me. There's nobody who's like an expert on it. You know, I don't have friends who've been playing this character for 10 years or whatever. I can come in and I can play as this new character. So that to me was really interesting. I, I'd never really thought of it that way, but people want to sometimes want to feel a sense of like, this is new. It's day one. And I'm starting on level terms with everybody else, in a sense, you know, uh, in regards to this character. And that was interesting. But the flip side of that is, historically, if you release a Street Fighter with all new characters, Street Fighter 3 is a good example. When they first released Street Fighter 3, mm-hmm. they released it, you know, with, I want to say, 80 to 90% new characters. It was a flop. It was. You know? Yeah. There may have been other reasons why it was a flop. Uh, you know, I certainly at the time remember thinking that it 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 needed some innovation that was very obvious. Mm-hmm. It turned out parries were that innovation, but that wasn't obvious enough the first, you know. to, to a casual gamer, you know? Um, but one of the big things was, oh, my character's gone. You know, my, my character's not in here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a Ryu player, yeah, sure, your character was there. Chun-Li, yeah. Ken, yeah. Was Ken? Yeah, Ken, Ken was there. Yeah. I think the basics. Ryu. It was only Ken, Chun-Li, 
and Ryu, and I can't remember who else. Yeah, it, it might was have been, might have been Akuma, 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 who like, was a secret you know character on two. He might have been later, actually. I can't remember, but I do remember like it, it flopped. There were lots of reasons for it flopping. There was a lot of things going on at the time, but one of the big things that people felt was people don't want to see ninety percent new characters. Yeah. So you got to get the mix right. And, you know, back to your original question, is our guest characters a good idea? Possibly. Me personally, as someone who's played Street Fighter for years and years and years, don't really care about guest characters. Mm -hmm. But if I was like 15 years old, maybe that would be something that would get me excited to play Street Fighter. Yeah. I think another thing that... um... I personally think would benefit um, Capcom, not only Street Fighter, is um, maybe to invest more money into other franchises, some of the older franchises as well. Like, I, I would love to see a Darkstalkers, uh, a new one. I would love to see what else. There, there are many games that came out during that generation that you know, they've been kind of forgotten. And actually, I love what Street Fighter Five was doing, like some of the skins that you can have with some of the characters, like Darkstalkers or... Red Earth and some of those older games. I think that it would be good. Also, like they for years, people have been asking for a Capcom versus SNK, a new version of it. That would be lovely. And perhaps you never know. Maybe one day we can have a Capcom Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat crossover thing. That would be well, nice. Yeah, I mean, like Capcom versus SNK, I always thought made sense because you'd have the marketing budgets of both companies. Yeah, um, I always thought that would be interesting, and then you'd have the you also have the audiences from both companies. Uh, Street Fighter Mortal Kombat, I don't think is ever going to happen because of the graphic nature of Mortal Kombat. I just, just cannot see them being able to make that work. Um, and then, of course, Street Fighter Cross Tekken has been done. Uh, But, you know, maybe, maybe what they need to do is um, a bit like Marvel versus Marvel versus Capcom. Maybe they need to do a Capcom All-Stars, you know, like, um, you know, there's been sort of versions of that in the past, yeah. but uh, it's been a while. It's and maybe, while. maybe some of the more popular Capcom games Uh, you know, these days, you know, Monster Hunter, the resurgence of Resident Evil, maybe Darkstalkers, whatever, right? Maybe bringing them all together in a sort of all-stars style game, um, a little bit like uh, um, Nintendo do, yeah. you know? Uh, maybe that's something that they could pursue. I think um, it's always also good to give time between games, Um That allows for some breathing room for people to kind of, because at the end of the day, it's all about nostalgia. We go back to these franchises because we have that nostalgic um, appeal to them. Uh, so I think that if you kind of take a break between one game of the other and you have a game in between, that really helps out to really boost the desire for the next iteration in the franchise, which I think is something that could happen. And I feel that... Uh, That really works for a lot of franchises. Uh, I, you know, you know, between Street Fighter Three and Street Fighter Four, there are many years that happen in between, and a lot of people were eager to go back. And Street Fighter Four was that, you know, like okay, I'm back into the saddle. I'm back on the saddle. I'm back on 
this game and it felt it, it, it feels right like I'm at home like I'm where I belong and I think that could work um, I think that like you said the updates that Street Fighter 5 has been doing have been great I love this, the, the updates of course there's still things that you know they they need work and they probably ne never going to be fixed or they're never going to be improved to the point that you can compare it to Street Fighter 4 or other uh, games in the franchise but um I think that there's like, you know, still passion for it. You know, it's always going to be passionate people about Street Fighter, no matter what. Um, you know, whether young people, the people that they've been there since the beginning as well. I just feel that, you know, there's a couple of things that can can be done, you know, to improve it. You know, the whole experience, not necessarily the, in the game, but I think also what goes around it. And you, as, as you know, in marketing, it's an important aspect of the business. You know, how can you promote your product? It's extremely important. Now, talking about promotion, because... Uh, you know, we mentioned it about it. Um, you know, Evo has been always a big part of that promotional aspect of Street Fighter, at least on the last, I would say, what, 10, 15 years. Mm. Now we know that Street, uh, Evo has been bought by, by Sony. What do you think about that? Uh, I guess I'm just going to wait and see. I'm a little bit confused. So with Evo, they had a little bit of bad press, yes. you know, around Wizard right. and around the after parties. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff really blew up. And yeah. um, so there's a bit of bad press around, around that stuff. And then, of course, then there was, you know, COVID. Um, and... Now, you know, there was this press release saying that Sony, I guess, own Evo. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not 100. I didn't really read too much about it. So I, I, I'm still a bit confused as to whether Sony are sponsoring it or actually own it. Yeah, they bought the whole event. I don't know how that worked, how they work it, but they bought it and... But that's all we know so far. Uh, we sort don't... of begs the question why. I'm 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 a bit confu I'm a bit confused by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm a bit confused. Like, why would you? Why would Sony buy that? You know, um, is it because Sony have decided that they are going all in on fighting games? Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to understand what that is all about. Um, it seems like. You know, essentially they've bought it, but the people who are going to continue to run it are the Cannon Brothers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Um, uh, but I'm 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 in a holding pattern really, just to see see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, if COVID continues, you know, uh, I, I think I saw that they had. Um, you know, I haven't been paying a huge amount of attention to the FGC for a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been sort of dipping my toes back in recently and I've seen bits and pieces. Um, and I believe they had announced some of the games that were going to be played at this Evo mm -hmm. and it's going to be, you know, offline. Um, and so I guess we'll see how that, how that plays out. Uh, but obviously the games with, with rollback netcode are going to be, more interesting and more successful and, and fairer to the players, I would have thought. Uh, but as for the future, you know, Sony owning it, I don't really know what that means. You know, will will they be able to play Nintendo games? That's another. That's a question. Yeah, but you know, I think that's one of the big. Yet. 
think that's one of the biggest questions is like, okay, Sony owns it. So will they be able to play Nintendo games? Will Sony, will Nintendo want Sony to play Nintendo games? Uh, you know, will Sony want to play Nintendo games? Like what about Xbox exclusives? Mm-hmm. You know, like Killer Instinct, you know? So yeah. And will there be a Evo Japan? You know, will, will the franchise continue to grow in that way? Yeah. Um, I find the whole thing very intriguing, but I, I have very little understanding of how and why it came about. And so I'm just sort of waiting to see what they do with it. And so that I'll get a better understanding of why, mm. you know, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. No idea. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just see. The only thing is, I suppose, which is good is that Sony are invested in fighting games. So that is good, but um, but uh, you know that's the only thing that I really know. Yeah, like I mean, what's, your, what, what's your take on it? Ooh, um, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, it's hard to tell. You know, they say that it's no. You know how it is. They always, you know, in all these type of situations when a company buys another company or an event, they always say, um, "Oh, it's not going to affect you know how we do things and how we manage things." That's what they always say. And, but you know it's not the truth it's always going to change something is going to be affected and mm-hmm. my concern like you're saying is how this is going to affect for example the relationship they have with nintendo or like you said microsoft with xbox because they also have their exclusives and you know they've been always you know i wouldn't say the biggest part of evo but they've always been involved in evo uh and you know even though i know that there's always this kind of hate relationship or many gamers they tend to make fun of i don't know super smash brothers or whatever it's always going to be also a big part of evo you know like people love to see that there um so how that's going to be from now on how sony is going to approach this um is it going to be beneficial it does that mean that they're going to invest more money into the event does that mean that we're going to see not only the the you know the las vegas version or the japanese version are we going to see like more international reach? We're we going to see more events worldwide, maybe Europe or Latin America. Who knows? Um, Brazil. Um, that's so that, you know, of course, you know, now with the after in the aftermath of COVID, uh, while we're going through COVID, everything is going online, um, which is good and bad. It's good because it means that, you know, now people from around the world can participate easily instead of just coming to the event in person. Um, at the same time, you know, I've never been an Evo, um, but it is, I imagine that there's such energy being in a locale with so many gamers, you know, they come in just for that particular event. And I think that's something that unfortunately, because of COVID, we, we don't have right now. Uh, there's something about going in person to be in person with other people that, you know, they are really invested in the same game as you are. So I don't know, like you said, uh, I think you're completely, your approach to the, the question it is, I think it's the right approach. You know, there's no way we can say, hey, this is going to be bad. There's no way we can say, oh, this is going to be good. Ultimately, we don't have the answers yet. Um, or at least we don't have the full picture. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it is clear that Sony is trying to market itself through the whole thing. They want to kind of, because they build a reputation in the gaming uh, world and the fighting games with fighting games. You know, they did that with the PS3. I was, I'm making a video right now. I'm working on a video 
now that the PlayStation Store is going to close on the PS3, and the PlayStation 3 was a juggernaut of fighting games. You know, there were so many mm-hmm. fighting games there. So I'm going through the list of all the best games there, and and uh, that's what I'm working on. But I was uh, going through the list. It's, it's hard because there were so many fighting games on the PlayStation 3. And even the PlayStation 4 got a lot of exclusives that didn't make it to Xbox. So it is clear that Sony has invested uh, interest into that particular area of gaming. How are they going to expand on it uh, now with the PS5? Um, who knows? But it seems that Sony wants to have that big portion of the industry on their end. And, um, of course, you know, they're trying to compete because you have, for, on the other end, you have Microsoft buying like studios like Bethesda. So they're trying to rile up into the franchises they know, like Xbox is now they have this reach on all the Bethesda products and other other studios. So I think on this end, I think Sony's just reaching out to the to the gamers that have been always involved with the uh, in this case with the consoles, uh, the Sony consoles because of the gaming because of the fighting gaming franchises. I don't know. Maybe I just a uh, long answer to your question too. But <laughs> I don't know. It just it's a uh, it's interesting. I, I think we just have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I agree. I, t- I totally agree. I don't think there's anything else to really say on that subject because, uh, yeah, wait and see. Let's see what happens. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's good. Now, let me ask you this. Are you, um, well, right now it's hard to tell because there's not many events coming our way. Uh, and I know you love to go to Evo. Um, are you are you still planning to to go to some of these events or as soon as they open up or are you planning to do any of that to go into tournaments and stuff um yeah it's interesting question because i'm at a strange crossroads i suppose Mm -hmm. uh you know for me personally uh you know i have to figure out what's next Mm -hmm. You know, um, and there's a part of me for sure that is feeling a pull back into the FGC. It's feeling like, oh, you know, there's so many interviews that I never did and I really want to do. And there's so many other various bits of content that I really want to do. Um, but, you know, it's also, it's tough. You know, it's tough uh making all of that content um the time that it makes to do all that content and um and also you know trying to keep yourself afloat financially um is tough and um you know i definitely as covid came in and the tournament stopped and it all went offline and street fighter looked like it was winding down there was just a a point where and where i sort of started to lose interest and started to, uh, you know, actually I got really interested in Warzone um, and COD because Call of Duty and Modern Warfare in particular were big parts of my gaming history. So I got into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, would I like to go to tournaments and see people face to face? God, yeah, I'd absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. There's nothing quite like it. Uh, being at those those big tournaments, um, you know, uh, they're like Comic Con, you know, these days. Uh, you know, they're just big events. They're wonderful. You see so many people. Uh, 
whether it be meeting new people that you've never met before, um, whether it be seeing people who produce content that, or players that you've never met before and you meet for the first time, whether it be seeing people that you know that you have met before. Um, just a wonderful experience. You know, part of, part of the reason, not all of it, there was lots of reasons why I did interviews, but one of the reasons I did interviews was, was because I was so intrigued by people, you know, particularly people in fighting games. And because, you know, I've never been, I love fighting games, but I've never been good at fighting games. Not, not, not great, you know? And um, I've always been in awe of people who are and in awe of people who, you know, do make some of the content and just some of the people who have the brains that they have, you know? Um, and so, you know, the opportunity to go to those events is, is a wonderful thing. Um, when that's going to happen again, I don't know, obviously because of COVID. Uh, but yeah, when that time comes, I would love to. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the stage that I'm at at the moment is that is not quite the same as the stage that I was at five years ago when I first started doing this stuff. You know, it, it's not, it's not the same, you know, it certainly isn't the same financially. It takes a little bit of, you know, yeah. uh, you got to have that sort of financial ability, which I was, you know, lucky enough to have to sort of travel around and go to those events. And yeah, I've been sponsored in the past to go to those events, which was great. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. But if, if the question, if we take COVID out of the picture, if the question is, do I still have the hunger Mm -hmm. and desire and passion? Um, it's there bubbling underneath the surface for sure. I still have passion for content. I still have passion for talking to people. That's why I'm talking to you now. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have uh, a desire and an interest in fighting games, not just the games themselves, but everything related to the games, including the marketing of the games, mm-hmm. including the community around the games, the cosplayers, the artists, the comic books, the statues, the fight sticks, the you know everything that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if I had the opportunity and uh, I was able to, then, of course, yeah, I'd get back out there and go to a tournament and maybe even do a couple of interviews or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, COVID definitely changed so much, you know. Yes. And, and I personally have struggled a little bit with everything being offline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's not quite the same. And, um, for, for, for many people, it's, it's still great, you know, but I, I think there are a lot of people just like a lot of sporting events, you know, that don't have any fans at the moment. I think a lot of people are still, you know, really hoping and praying that we can get back to, you know, normal as they call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, and I hope so too. Uh, but yeah, I, there's definitely a pull to do those things. But at the same time, you know, there's a big part of me that potentially needs to potentially needs to move on Mm -hmm. and just whatever, you know, throw myself into a new career or, or something that's easier said than done. Obviously changing career, changing careers is a big deal. Um, So that's where I'm at at the moment is, a little bit of kind of confusion about my future, mm-hmm. the so-called crossroads or, 
whatever you want to call it. Um, just that, that a little bit of the unknown, like I'm not exactly sure yeah. right now. You know, now, now let me ask you this, um, because we have talked about a lot of the things that you have done and the things that, you know, you've been doing and you're doing right now. Is there anything that you would love to do? Anything that, um, that perhaps it's always been a desire to pursue any type of passion, but you have never really had the opportunity to do it. And if you have the opportunity, let's say, let's say that you have the means to do it today or the possibilities or whatever, mm. would you pursue that? Is there anything right now besides, and of course the street fighter events, besides all of that, anything that you would love to do? I mean, I love fishing and I, I often think about the idea of live streaming fishing Uh, and just being on 24-7, and it, it's just so weird. It'd be so weird. If you're not into fishing, you wouldn't really understand it. But, <laughs> like, the idea of, of uh, fishing in the UK, carp fishing, but that's something else entirely and very, and very hard to wrap your head around if you haven't done it. Um, but it would be, you know, a, a live stream in nature, and, uh, and there'd be lots of periods of downtime before there'd be periods of excitement. But... I don't know that, 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 that one's something I think about sometimes, but, um, I think in regards to content or maybe the fighting game community or video games, or maybe even broader than that, maybe like sometimes I think about taking my interviews and, and broadening them to, to include, I don't know, like voice actors in anime or, you know, um, broader than that, you know, some of these, um, gurus who specialize in various things that potentially can help improve your life or think about life in a different way. Um, you know, just broadening the interview process or the interviews from one category to a much broader category, because mm -hmm. I think I don't really consider myself an expert in anything, but I do really enjoy picking the brains of people who are experts. Mm -hmm. And I am very excited about that, you know? And, and so I think about that. One of the other things that I think about a lot is the idea of being, working with other people. I just, for whatever reason, and, um, I suppose I'll open up a little bit about this, but for whatever reason, you know, I've always been very bullheaded about pursuing things on my own terms and just moving forwards and just making something happen in my own way and not really collaborating mm -hmm. enough. I have collaborated in the past, but not enough. I would love, for instance, to sort of do more collaborations with people with content, you know, whether it be like a partnership or a group of people, that is something that I'm longing for or have been longing for, but not necessarily known how to make happen, approach you know, sort of like, I feel like there's a, there's a power in, it may be obvious to say, but I think there's numbers. a power in numbers and people bringing not just their skills or, but bringing their personalities, their enthusiasm, their drive that is infectious, you know, mm -hmm. or holding each other accountable. And I think that's probably one of the things that me as a content creator, I've always found 
that everything is just sort of me on my own doing my thing. Even my interviews, you can see it, right? I'm mm-hmm. the cameraman, I'm the sound guy, I'm, I'm the, the editor, editor, I'm the marketer, I'm the, I'm the guy who does, I'm the one-stop shop and I do everything. Yes. And it, it's whilst sometimes that feels quite empowering to do everything your own way, it's also a little bit lonely and it's also a little bit hard sometimes to push yourself because mm-hmm. you, I feel like you can push yourself only so much, you know, and sometimes when there are periods where you are finding it hard to get up and do what needs to be done, it would be so much more helpful if, you know, dream scenario, right, is me living in an apartment with a bunch of people who are all content creators and we mm-hmm. all have the same goal. You know, to be creative, yeah. Whether it's that we're in front of camera or not, when we're behind camera, whether it's with streamers or recorded content, whether it's because we're doing skits, interviews, informative pieces, points of view, like whatever, right? Reviews. I think that is my dream scenario: is to live in an environment with other content creators and create things together and just be somewhat efficient about it and everyone doing a bit of work where you can really churn out the content, but it can still be of quality, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Do you have any role models per se? Any, any, I'll say, for example, YouTube, there's anyone in YouTube that you pay attention to the content and you always, admire but also you are learning from from them or you just want to learn more from them is there anyone there so i have a a kind of love-hate relationship with um people who i think are excellent okay so uh this is rather revealing but, <laughs> um i have a tendency to think wow this person is amazing mm-hmm. like really good i love them you know and then i there's this other half of me who goes God, I'm so jealous. Like, <laughs> like, like I could be doing that. I swear I could be doing that. Why aren't I doing that? Oh my God, they're doing it and I'm not doing it, mm. but they're doing it better than I would do it. And all this, you know, yes. a, lot of vo- a lot of voices in my head, I suppose. Um, but yeah, there's people out there. I don't follow them religiously, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I'll catch them every now and then. And I just, you know, they, their work is just, quality and they've got really good you know they've got a really good head on their their shoulders you know um i i like the comment the commentators when i say commentator i actually some of them are actually commentators but i like their commentary on the fgc yeah you know so like say jam you know i've met mm-hmm. i've met say jam a number of times and he's just a cool guy with a good head on his shoulders brian f is another one cool guy very smart you know good head in his shoulders. I think I was the first person to interview Brian F actually. Um, possibly. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, Obama, uh, the, you know, the guys over at anime Illuminati. Yeah. Um, who else? I, I hate to miss out names. Maximilian, obviously. Yeah. Maximilian, Maximilian is one of the people and say jam too, but more Maximilian probably for specifically understanding the casual player. Mm-hmm. Cause Maximilian clearly doesn't just have the hardcore FGC following him. He has a, he has 
you know, millions of people, well, a million subscribers, right? Mm -hmm. Millions of people are subscribed and they're not all hardcore FGC. They're just people who are kind of interested in video games probably and, and kind of think fighting games are kind of cool, but they're not invested in the way that the FGC is invested, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of those guys who are entertainers, but also, um, have a perspective that they've thought about for a long time and, um, and not only expressing that, but also having a, I want to say nowadays having a fundamental impact on the fighting game community. There's no doubt in my mind that Sajam, Maximilian, Obama, all those guys who talked about rollback netcode at the same time just made the whole community focused on that one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then when the whole community was focused on this one thing, you better believe that the developers started to listen. And that's been one of the hardest things for us as a community is to get the developers to listen. And, you know, developers shouldn't listen to everything we say because half of it, you know, we don't know what we're talking about, but (laughs) like, but, but, and they have the data, they have the inside track on what's actually going on. But the rollback netcode thing, you know, you're seeing, I think it's strive that has the rollback netcode, um, guilty gear strive. Uh, Mm -hmm. you are seeing, these developers realize the importance of that in the rest of the world. You know, Japan is a small, small country. So rollback net code is not such a big deal. Mm-hmm. because They're all very close together and they've got very good internet. Correct. But rollback net code is extraordinarily important. So I guess the people that, you know, and I've probably missed out a whole bunch of them, right? The people that I'm very excited to, to watch are, are usually those people that have something important to say whereby they want to influence uh, the future of the FGC and fighting games in a good way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, some of those guys are the, the guys that I, that I will catch on, usually on YouTube, usually on YouTube. Um, I'm not a huge stream monster um, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think YouTube has always, you know, been my thing in regards to being able to watch things when I want to watch them as yeah. opposed, as opposed to, uh, and I say this as a streamer, uh, you know, I think stream monsters are wonderful and thank God for them. Uh, but me personally, uh, I, I'm not, I think I prefer to see things on my own time Yeah, you know, and snippets and move around and this and that and the other. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? No. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I totally, totally see that. And now let me ask you, I know that right now you're, like you said, you're in Crossroads. Um, any plans that you have, any idea where the future is going to be for you, for your um, YouTube channel, for uh, the Twitch channel? Do you have any idea where everything is going or at least have anything that you would like to pursue? You want to continue on on what you're doing right now with Street Fighter or uh, well, you have you have questions about it? Dude, it's the biggest thing right now for me. Like, it's the biggest thing that's, it's the scariest, one of the scariest moments of my life is right now. Um, because, because I don't know the answer. 
mm-hmm. um, I'm sort of looking for a sign, you know? Yeah. So I've got, got, I'm like, like this with the universe. I'm like, come <laughs> on, just give me a sign, you know? Uh-huh. Um, they say that too many options is a bad thing. You know, like you get, you sort of get confused about and you don't appreciate any of the things, any of the, the, the options because you have too many. Um, and uh, right now, all I can say is I've done advertising. I'm in America for now. Uh, and I've done, you know, some content creation with the FGC. And now it's sort of like, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. How do I leverage what I have and move into something new? Um, you know, is content creation realistic? You know, uh, is it a part-time job with content creation? Uh, and how long can you keep doing that? You know, I'm not getting any younger, you know, uh, is it like, Oh, Mark, you need to go back into a career of some type, you know, a marketing firm or advertising or something of that type, maybe even media, you know, um, and pursue a career, uh, get your, you know, in America, you know, you kind of need that health insurance and, yes, you know, the, the, all the little, you know, dental insurance and, and, uh, you know, a pension or or 401k or whatever, and all that stuff that, that you're supposed to have, you know, um, which makes sense. Uh, so, you know, short answer is, I'm not sure right now. And mm. I'm talking, I, I figured that, you know, I'm running out of money. That's not, not something that people like to talk about, but it's true. And it's like, will I end up back in the UK? Will I continue in America? I don't know. All these questions for me are just like, I don't have an answer to them. And uh, I'm one of the things that I've decided to do or decided to do is reach out to friends and just talk. Mm-hmm. You no, know, and and just just try to um, figure out next steps. That's right. So it, it's it's definitely a scary, scary moment for me because I'm not clear, and I don't have that sort of direction, that sort of passion for one thing, which is going. You 100 percent should be mm-hmm. chasing this. You know. Um, sometimes a passion reveals itself to you mm-hmm. and you just go, Whoa, this, I'm so excited about this. I just need to pursue this and we'll see what happens. Um, but that hasn't happened recently. And, and, um, I don't think this is an uncommon feeling, you know, mm-hmm. yes. I think there are a lot of people out there who feel this. Uh, I am lucky enough to have had those moments in my life where I go, yep, this, I need to be doing this. And this is fulfilling. And I feel like this is important. And, you know, it sort of ticks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's no question about what you're doing. But, um, but I'm definitely, I wish I could say to you, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to go do. Um, but like, I feel a bit naked, you know, a bit bare, like, like revealing this stuff, but you know, I am essentially still in that scary place where I'm just like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing next, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I guess we will see, I guess we will see. 
And now you're coming to really to the end of the podcast. And um, I would like to uh, ask you this. Um, any advice? I know many people, and that's something that I would say that I, I, I do feel connected with you because um, I've seen your struggles. You have mentioned it many times on you know your channel. And mm. I can relate with that because it's, I know how difficult it is. Uh, you have passion for something, but sometimes you don't know how to direct that passion or how to move within that passion and how to be effective about it. And so I am always been, um, every time you say those things, it to me feel like, Oh man, he's kind of revealing himself, but also revealing how you feel. Mm. So, um, but you know, you know, I know there are a lot out there, you know, there's a lot of people that look at, after you or they look at your content and they also would like to pursue their dreams as content creators. Is there any advice that you can give to, I would say, young people, perhaps people that you're starting with their channel, or they're starting streaming on Twitch, and they still don't have maybe the viewership, and they feel like uh, they, you know, they feel that they put a lot of effort, but no one is paying attention. Anything that you would like to advise, or anything you would like to say to them? I think it's, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest ones, which I think is more well-known now, hopefully, is the you can't just make content and expect people to discover it and find you. Um, you know, maybe on TikTok, you, you know, apparently there's supposed to be like on TikTok, there's a guarantee, there's a guarantee that one of your first five videos will go viral apparently because of the algorithm. But, um, it's, you can make, and I've seen this so many times, you can make the most amazing content, right? Mm -hmm. But if no one's watching, you know, that's a big part of it that's missing. So you need to figure out how to get that content in front of people, you know? So that's the marketing side of it, you know? Um, one of the biggest ways that people grow on Twitch is that they don't just stream, right? You can stream. Sure, but how's anyone going to find you, right? If mm -hmm. you play a really small game, potentially some people will find you because you'll be on the front page mm -hmm. of that really small game. But there's a lot of things that you need to think about, and one of those things is going cross-platform, you, know? uh, you know, taking your Twitch highlights and putting them into videos and putting them on YouTube so people can watch them on YouTube and go, oh, that's kind of cool. I think I'll drop into his Twitch channel. Um, you can, you know, you, you can also figure out how to market stuff, put it in a place where people can see it. So Facebook groups are great because a Facebook group is a community of people who are all very interested in the thing that you're interested in. So throw your video into a Facebook group, throw your video onto forums. You know, I used to throw my videos onto statue forum, mm -hmm. um, or potentially throw your videos at, um, content aggregators, you know, people who push out other people's content, you know, event hubs in, in uh, the fighting game community, you can send them your video and say, listen, I think that maybe you should run this. And these are my reasons why, you know, um, just ways. I think that that's the part that's missing for a lot of people. You know, yeah, it's fun to make content. Yeah, it's fun to, it can be really fun to stream. Um, these can all be fun experiences. And you could be the greatest personality in the world. You could be funny. You could be interesting. 
it can be all of those things. But if you don't have the, the, the marketing segment, which is a big part of it, then no one's going to see what you're doing. And I've seen big funded organizations creating content with really well-known players and it just get no views because they've not tried to push the content out in a way where they can get in front of people. And that includes collaborations as well. That helps because you're helping each other. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest piece of advice. And then the other thing is the other big piece of advice is you should be doing it because you are passionate because mm-hmm. people will see right through you. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, people will see right through you. Like if you're doing it because you think it's kind of cool to be a little bit famous on social media or get a little bit of clout, you know, um, which is easy to get sucked into by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's your reason, it will be very obvious to people because it won't be reflected in your work. So you have to be passionate about whatever it is. If it's video games, video games, or if it's a category of video games, a category of video games, or if it's um, interviews, it's interviews. If it's making funny skits, it's making funny skits. If it's expressing your point of view about the, you know, what's going on in the world, whether it be video games or something else, you just have to be passionate, you know? Um, and it's not always easy to find passion. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy. Um, and that could be a whole nother thing is like, how do you find passion, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say passion and then making sure that a big element of you creating content is you making sure that people see your content. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people forget that. They just make the content and sometimes they make amazing content, but no one sees it. Like that old saying, you know, from that movie, the baseball movie, if you build it, they will come. Uh It's not true. (laughs) Yes. For content. For content, it's not true. You can build it, but you better bloody get it in front of people. Otherwise, no one's going to come. That's right. And then like when you finally do, start to foster that community. Take, you know, be 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 appreciative of those people who are supporting you at an early stage. Yeah. You know, foster that community, realize that those people are important. You know, um, so, so I suppose that's like three things. Yes. Well, I want to say um, I really appreciate your time, uh, Mark. It has been enlightening and very enjoyable. Um, actually, I didn't even know how to approach this podcast i was thinking like i don't know what we're going to talk about because there's a lot to talk about and i know because you've been involved in so many different venues and so many things from street fighter you know the but also in the statue collecting world and a lot of people have seen your videos in so many different aspects so uh but i think um i can really speak not only for myself but i can speak for a lot you know for a lot of people that watch your content that you have been uh you know, inspiring in so many ways. Uh, you it really inspired me early on when I started doing videos to also do the same thing. And have uh, you always been there, changing, innovating, doing new things? And um, it's always good to see people like you. Um, your honesty, which is refreshing, 
you know, yes, we have more content creators than ever before, but that necessarily means that everyone is as honest and forthcoming about also their struggles. Mm. And on that, I can say that um, I totally, I can see how you feel. I can feel the same way because I'm also in the same battles emotionally. You know, I invested myself. I left what I was doing to really dedicate myself the last few years full time on this. And it's not an easy thing because, you know, when, once you want to do it, you're like, you go all in. Mm. You're super passionate and you're like, man, I'm going to, you put everything, but that you're making mistakes. Like you said, one of my biggest mistakes has been that I've been creating content and I think this is the best content ever. And all of a sudden, you know, my, my advertisement game is just poor. I'm not really that good on it. Oh, I don't even know how to approach it. Right. So it doesn't matter how many, you know, you know, how much you invest, you can spend hours or days just creating a nice video, just not to, to be squashed with numbers because no one is watching it because you didn't know to do the other side, which is advertisement. Um, but um, so I, I can say that and that I can totally relate because I've been there many, many times and I'm learning. It's, this is a process and I, I can say that also to those who are listening as uh, you know, continuing what you were saying. Um, and I think that you hit it right there on the spot when you said you have to be yourself. Be honest because people can see right through you. I think that's the first thing that you got to be important with is that just be yourself and people can see that. And like you said, second thing is do a better job in advertising yourself. And, you know, just you have to ask. You know, sometimes I feel like I think a lot of people, content creators are afraid just to ask the questions, just to simply go and reach out to someone to do collapse. Something that I have struggled with for a long time. And because I've been kind of the one man army doing everything for myself. And mm. until recently that I realized, wait a minute, I feel that I need to start reaching out. That's the reason I started reaching out to you, to other content creators. And I've been doing videos together recently, but it's because, you know, I realized that, wait a minute, you know, I cannot just do, do this by myself. You know, you need help. Also it kind of gives you another perspective because you can see how other people do it and what they're doing. And also their passion kind of, it's infective, you know, it really have, affects your weight, the way you do things. And you feel like, Hey, you know, I want to do the same thing. You know, I want to injects me passion so I can also share that passion with my viewers. But I want to say, Mark, again, uh, thank you very much for your time. I know this has been lengthy and we asked so many questions, personal questions as well, but I want to wish you always the best and definitely looking forward to, to see more of you, whether here on YouTube or even on TikTok. Although I don't, I really don't follow TikTok, but I'm, you know, willing to, Try. If you go there, I'll do it. I, I just would like to see more of your content. TikTok is, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. You should download it and just just check it out because truthfully, it's uh, it's a little bit, there's a little bit of gatekeeping there in yeah. TikTok. So, so it's generally young people, yeah, like, like very young people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen content creators who have been able to leverage TikTok in a way where they've just got hundreds of thousands of followers and they've managed to take them from TikTok onto Twitch. Mm. And it's extraordinary. Uh, and TikTok is considered to be one of the easier platforms because one of your, you know, one of your videos is apparently guaranteed to go viral um, almost immediately. I haven't done TikTok, mm-hmm. but like I said, I have seen people leverage it, but they are, on the younger side or, you know, um, maybe on the sexier side. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, I would say, 
uh, yeah, that's an interesting platform. Keep your, you know, keep your ears to the ground on various platforms. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say uh-huh. you, you brought up was you'd be surprised how many people will be willing to collaborate with you if you ask them, if you are serious, if you are passionate, you know, you come across genuine, you'd be surprised. You know, like my interviews started with me just walking up to players at tournaments and being serious that I wanted to do an interview with them and it wasn't going to be a joke, you know, like it was, it was going to be a good use of their time. You know, I remember, I'll just tell you a really short story before we go, but I remember the first time that I approached Takedo for an interview and I later found out that he, he got, he just didn't, he hated being the one guy who openly spoke English, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone wanted to talk to him. And I remember approaching him for an interview and he said to me, well, how long is it going to take? And at that time, I think my interviews were getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 minutes. And he said, too long. And I said, <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. All right. Well, just so you know, I came to this tournament to interview people, but honestly, I came to interview you. And I showed him a piece of paper and it had all the questions for Takedo. Mm-hmm. And he looked at the questions and I guess he decided that they were like a good use of his time and that I was serious. And he said, okay, let's do it. And I said, well, how long do we have? And he said, don't worry about it as long as you want. And we did this interview. It was actually the second interview I'd done with him because I actually did a group interview, I think, with, with him. We did that interview and, you know, I then went on and I made sure I did my due diligence and did the marketing. I wanted to make sure that people saw it. I didn't want to waste his time yeah, uh, or my time. And, you know, after that, that, you know, that was always sort of my approach to people who I really wanted to interview was like, look, I'm serious about what I want to do here. I'm serious mm-hmm. about getting it in front of people. And, you know, I guess the, mor- the moral is that it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to have a huge amount of clout. You can be starting out. But as long as you think about, you know, your passion and how serious you are and how genuine you are, and you show that, to the person that you want to collaborate with, whether it be interviews or a skit or a a podcast or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That person with that knowledge, you'd be surprised how many times they will say, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. You know, in the same way that I've known you for a number of years, I've known that, you know, you've, you've very serious about statues and the things that you do and creating content and, you know, you saying to me, let's talk. I'm like, you know what, JP? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably going to be good. That's going to, that, that's, that's going to be good. So I'll, I know that he's invested. I know that he, te- he takes this seriously. I know that he wants to produce something of value. And hopefully this has been of value to somebody somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, let's do it. So, um, you know, I think you're on the right track. And, uh, you know, obviously if you ever have any, you ever want to pick my brain, I'm here. 
mm-hmm. uh, and you can ask me. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me on. This is the first time I've done any content for over a year. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. So it's been my pleasure and my honor to be the first person to ask you these questions. Um, even if no one really finds this, which I don't know why not, if find this entertaining or helpful in any way, I can tell you this, it is helpful for me. I have really gathered a lot of value of this conversation. A lot of things that you have said that are important to me. And that's to me in the end, the most important thing. That's the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. There, there is a beauty in, although I have talked about, you know, if you really want to make it as a content creator, you need to push it out. But there is a huge amount of value in producing content in going through that process in expressing yourself mm-hmm. in having collaborations conversations it's therapeutic it's yeah. enlightening uh it's insightful maybe only to you and that is the beauty of it that's wonderful mm-hmm. you know so like even before you get to the idea of like how can i be successful you if you're if you are gaining that kind of value from it yourself mm-hmm. it's already successful you know it might not be uh, a money maker but but if it, it's enriching to you then it's something you should be doing and i've been thinking about that a lot recently because you know when i think about the idea of whether i should or i shouldn't continue in content I always think about the the value and, you know, listening to you speak has given me a lot of value today. So this has been a good use of my time. Oh, so. thank you. And yeah. I w- I'm going to say that one thing that um, last thing that my wife always said that because, you know, when I started doing this and I feel like, man, the numbers are not going up. I don't, I don't have as many viewers as I would like to have and things like that. My wife always said this, why don't you just go back to the beginning when what were you doing was all about, you doing what you wanted to do for yourself. Like, and that's the reason why you gather your first viewers and followers because they mm-hmm. saw that you just were having fun. She said, just have fun with it. Don't worry about the numbers. They'll, they'll work out, you know, do your due diligence, do everything else you need to do, but ultimately just enjoy it. And when that, when she said that to me, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to do it for fun. You know, I'm going to do things for fun again. Um, where there is a podcast, where there is this time, to me, it's not time wasted. It's time well invested. Mm. I get the chance to talk to a person that has been inspiring to me, but also I can pick his brain and learn things that I need for myself. And I feel that whoever gets the opportunity to listen to the podcast or watch the video through this over two hour long event, I think that if you go through the whole process of listening to Mark, you, you really are, that's your, you, know, you, you didn't even, even pay to come and listen. And you got your money's worth, you know, because time is money. Um, so if you really <laughs> go through it, um, it is well invested. And I, I want to say again, you know, now coming to the end, finally, Mark, thank you very much for your time. I know you, you also, you have your things to do and, you know, you allow me to be the first person to, you know, to, to talk to you in quite some time here on social media. So definitely looking forward to, to watch more of you, whether Twitch you know, Facebook, Twitter, you know, whatever, you know, wherever you go, I'm always going to be there to support you. So I want to say to everyone that is watching this or listening to this, thank you very, very much for your time. Don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube, to like, 
to comment, also to subscribe to the channel. If this is the first time you're here. If you're listening through to the different platforms, uh, share that with other friends. Let them know that you know that we are here. And also, I'm going to have in the description the information for Mark. If you have never ever, which I, I'm surprised if you haven't, if you have never ever heard about Mark, you never follow him on Twitch or um, YouTube. I will have the links in the description so you can follow his channel. And you can also enjoy his content um, wherever he's at. Um, so, my friends, thank you very much for your time. And God bless you. Take care. And I'll talk to you again. We will talk to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me on.